According to the records, the revival at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky began February 8, 2023. Many said it came out of nowhere. No one expected this at a college where most students nominally attend chapel only because it's required three times a week at 10 a.m. And yet, when I traveled to Kentucky to see this revival close up, I learned something else. It was astonishing. The roots of this revival began long before those eight students lingered after a chapel service on February 8th. I believe the roots started the way all revivals start, with prayer, specifically. I heard about the prayers of a few bold Asbury Seminary students who've been praying consistently, weekly, for a revival like this since February 2019. I'm Charles Morris, and you're listening to The Great Stories Podcast by Haven Today. And on this episode, we're traveling to Wilmore, Kentucky, And we're going to talk with three of those students who were glad to talk to me about how they've been praying for revival for four years straight, believing in faith that the Lord could and would do so. Now I'd like you to hear their names, but they want to remain anonymous. They want only Christ to get glory. I couldn't be more excited to share these conversations with you now with some fellow believers who prayed boldly and saw the Lord show up. And if you've been like much of the world on the sidelines, hearing or watching what's been taking place at Asbury through news coverage and social media commentary, then this episode will be a wonderful way for you to become intimately acquainted with the backstory of the world's newest spiritual revival. A revival that I hope, pray, and believe is only getting started. It's a little longer than normal, but I think it'll be worth your listening. So let's go to Kentucky and let's meet up with three prayer warriors. Here we are at Wilmore, Kentucky, and we're at Asbury University and Seminary, and we've got somebody special on right now, somebody who not only went to Asbury Seminary, uh, but he teaches at Asbury University and was there for the beginning of the revival and throughout what's been happening. Uh, you don't want me using your name, so I'm not going to, uh, but let me just say welcome to Haven today. Thank you, Charles. It's it's lovely to be here with you today. I detect a little bit of an accent there, so I'm just going to tell our listeners that uh, you're from Australia and you were an investment banker in an earlier life and then got, got a hold of your life. <laughs> That's right. I'm a banker converted to a seminarian and now a teacher, out of all mm. things, in mm. Wilmore, Kentucky, <laughs> out of all places. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about February 8th, the day of. Kind of give me a timeline. Yes, yes. It was, um, um, it's so hard to just start with a word because mm-hmm. um, you want to come up with dramatic terms, but it was so ordinary. Um, and well, the way the rhythm of Asbury University works is uh, we have numerous students that live on campus there. And because of our emphasis on academic excellence and spiritual vitality, we have compulsory chapel services three Mm -hmm. times a week spread across Monday, Wednesday and Friday. 
Well, lo and behold, on Wednesday the 8th of February, um, the normal uh, chapel service took place at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, no offence to the program and the people that um, were ministering that day, but it was relatively normal. It was relatively ordinary service, wonderful message, wonderful music. And not all music. of those students want to be attending no, no. chapel. I guess there's there's always that element of some that do, but obviously in the midst of all your work and mid-semesters and assignments, there is also an element of um, uh, I'm doing this because it's compulsory. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a relative element of ordinariness to it. Yet during this ordinary service, um, the assigned preacher of the day spoke a little bit longer than usual. And I think... He and even, he's a friend of yours. He's a friend of mine. I think even he would say that it was an ordinary sermon. But as you know... did he tell his wife something? <laughs> yes. I, I believe that he told his wife he was going to be home soon uh, because he... He didn't think he preached very well. Uh, But it goes to show that sometimes you don't need uh, the faculties of man. So he he preached and he did go a little bit over time and uh, there was no time for response and the chapel was dismissed. But as you usually do, you have a few students that linger behind after Mm -hmm. the service. Mm -hmm. Um, That in itself is relatively ordinary as well. However, there was an African-American gospel choir that day because it is Black History Month, and um, they did continue to worship quite vibrantly. Lo and behold, um, one or two hours later, um, as I was walking back from lunch to teach my afternoon class at one o'clock, I'd heard that this um, worship had continued and um, was even more vibrant than it was before. Again, it wasn't really triggering anything in me. I still thought there was um, maybe there was an air of excitement, but nothing mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Yet after teaching class for about half an hour, um, that's when I first became aware of something extraordinary occurring. Um, four students burst into the classroom um, without even knocking, without any um, notice. And uh, some of them had tears in their eyes and stating, you have to come, you have to come now. I looked at one of the students that had burst through the door and he was looking at me with this sheepish grin nodding. And um, then the words came out, we think revival is breaking. Literally, as soon as that statement was made, two of my students jumped off their chairs and ran out the door um, without even looking back. I was a little bit taken aback. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely somebody that was uh, that has been praying for revival for many years. Well, all right, let's just go ahead. Let me pause yes. your story timeline for a moment. You're one of the people of a small group that started praying in 2019 for a mm. revival at Asbury that would start with you, start here, and then move out, right? <laughs> I feel very blessed that I get to partake in not only the intercession, and I must humbly also state that I think there have been thousands of prayers laid down, um, but I got to partake in one small way through a group, as you noted, Charles, that uh, began meeting weekly um, in February 2019, all the way till today, really. And in fact, we're still meeting. Next week, we're meeting to give thanks for what has occurred and to pray for this to be an awakening across the globe. All right. That's an aside. Now mm. back to the timeline. <laughs> it's a worthy aside, though. <laughs> it is. Mentioning. As I'm reminded of that, um, the verse, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful, right? And mm. not by mm. our righteousness, but Christ, obviously. Mm. 
So as soon as they had burst in, um, two students had run out the door. Um, I was in the midst of uh, a slide that I was teaching. And I thought, look, let's give them benefit of the doubt. I will finish off the material on this slide and then I'll dismiss class ahead of schedule. Mm. We've wrapped up that slide at about 1.30. I dismissed the class. As soon as I dismissed the class and encouraged them to move to Hughes Auditorium, two more students jumped out of their seats and ran down. I remember one of them, she, um, she told me, Prof, I'm not going to miss a revival if it's breaking out as she <laughs> sprinted past me. I wandered down there um, and even before I entered Hughes Auditorium, I could hear the... Um, the youthful vibrancy that was coming through the mm. room and mm. an intermix of both worshipful song and prayer in one. And as I entered the room, there were at least about 80 students that were worshipping with all their might. Um, but there was a difference to it. It wasn't, I must emphasise, Charles, that it wasn't, um, it wasn't overhype. It, there wasn't a, a sense of no control. There was no drum kit. There was no PowerPoint projector. There was no smoke machines. There was no lights. There was no electric guitar. It was literally one brother playing an acoustic guitar and a group of students just singing with such gusto and zeal as if they truly meant every single word that they had sung. Mm. Um, and intermixed within that, you could see that there was um, some students that were affected, I could only assume, by a, a, a an a spirit of repentance and confession. Um, I found it quite extraordinary, um, but I had to let this absorb in my mind before I could really um, uh, view it as whatever we call it, a revival or an outpouring. One or two hours later, um, I'd come to the conclusion that what I was witnessing was legitimate. It wasn't uh, emotional fervency that was unconstrained there was a real sense of gratitude a real sense of confession a real sense of regard for the holiness of god and a real sense of love for one another i i then began texting my seminary friends who i've been praying with for a number of years mm -hmm. telling them to come to Hughes auditorium as soon as possible and um, by then, the room was at least 200 full. Um, into, between the worship songs, there were also very public confessions that were taking place between um, various students who would go to the front, state a confession of something they sought repentance from from the broader community. And um, as, as soon as they mentioned these confession or, or, or terms of repentance, you could see chains being broken, not only for mm. themselves, but amongst others. Mm. And it seemed to increase the, uh, um, the, the sense of unity that was being birthed in the room. Mm. Um, well, lo and behold, by that evening, uh, most of Asbury Seminary and Asbury University were gathered in Hughes Auditorium. And that was even before the word started going out Correct. through social media Correct. around the country. But at that stage, it was very apparent that something special was happening. And um, already you could see the, um, the characteristics of this, what this revival outpouring awakening were going to be. Um, there were four clear themes that the Lord had already placed upon that initial group at that time. Uh, they were a radical sense of humility, um, 
there so much so that people were very fearful of um, uh, taking the stage away from Christ. The other sense was this huge sense of unity. Um, no one was talking about anything that could divide them. Instead, they were focusing on everything that could unite them, and that was Jesus. Uh, third, there was this um, huge regard for holiness out of all things, something that we would deem to be uh, relegate to history books <laughs> for, mm. for denominations mm. past. Mm. Yet there was this huge regard for holiness. And even as you look at the top of Hughes Auditorium, there's this uh, phrase there that states holiness unto the Lord. And it seemed to permeate from the actual um, uh, platform to the actual souls of the people that were worshiping and praying, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was beautiful. And finally, this 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 thick air of love that abound throughout uh, the mm-hmm. auditorium. Mm-hmm. Um, as the days went by, and the local community found out, I recall Friday um, was not just um, sorry Thursday, uh, twenty four hours later. It was not just the Asbury communities, the two institutions, but you start to have local uh, Wilmorians <laughs> come and attend. Uh, the university does have a history of revivals. Yes, uh, nineteen seventy was no. the last major one. So I think there's always been an air of expectancy amongst the local community. It's become a bit of a legend. So as soon as word got out, um, locals started coming through to the room. But again, one thing that was quite extraordinary about this was even though external people came in that were leaders in the area, Mm. the focus still remained on Gen Z. Um, Mm. Gen Z were the ones that were leading the worship. Gen Z were the ones that were leading times of confession and repentance. And um, it seemed as though the outpouring of the Spirit was specifically on them when it came down to um, spiritual maturity, salvations, conversions, whatever it may be. Everyone else who was there from other generational, um, um, other generations, I think we really felt we were there to support them. Mm-hmm. But there was an element of also being washed up in the overflow of what mm-hmm. God was doing amongst mm-hmm. them. Yes. Um, as, as time went by, uh, no doubt social media went out. And um, I like to think of it as a, uh, the redemption of social media. And there's maybe a good side after all <laughs> there to is. social media, right? It, it turned into a, um, a platform of testimony. Hmm. And um, as soon as it got out, uh, the whole world started focusing on little old Wilmore, Kentucky. Little Wilmore, Kentucky. Mm. Let's talk about the prayer. And, and some of our listeners uh, may have only heard about this. They may not understand this, but uh, some denominations have a railing where people can pray. Yes. And uh, people were invited forward to pray. Um, you were on the prayer team, too, that yes. would pray with people as they came down. And, and obviously... As more and more people started coming in, it had to move beyond just Hughes Auditorium. It was the chapel at the seminary across the street. Correct. It was other churches in the area. Just tell me a little bit about, you know, what 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 would happen at at this prayer altar? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the characteristics of the past few weeks has been this emphasis on prayer. And uh, when I say prayer, it it really came down to... Uh, people bearing their souls at the altar, 
notwithstanding that were people doing it within their very seats in the auditorium or Leicester's mm-hmm. Chapel, mm-hmm. but the altar was a, it was a very sacred place that people um, could make a physical response. It was so beautiful, Charles, because I I had the privilege of seeing so many uh, uh, people come up and just cry before the Lord, um, whether it was for salvations or their own pains or hurts or issues or uh, repentance or confessions, and tears were um, dropping across the entire altar, so much so that I remember very vividly the first couple of days, it was, it was wet. The, the prayer altar was wet, and uh, I couldn't help but um, think how many tears had been uh, cried over this altar and how many different groups of people had cried over this altar and how they, would all, they were all intermingled as one. Uh, again, just demonstrating that whole trait of unity that was upon um, the auditorium. Uh, but just even on this emphasis on prayer, um, I know for one that we as a community, and I, I, I lay this down very humbly as well, um, Charles, um, even as the events were taking place, I think we recognised as a community that we had to pray more. We could not just um, look back and, and be passive bystanders of what God was doing, but we felt a heavy responsibility to pray. Um, under Hughes Auditorium, there was even basements of uh, people praying for what was occurring above. Mm. Um, in addition to the uh, staff and faculty that were praying over people as they came to the altar, um, we had a huge response from uh, local uh, pastors, ministers, and um, church leaders that were willing to participate. So it became very much a community Across prayer the effort. spectrum. Correct. Not just conservative Methodist, but all... No types of Christendom Correct. were coming in. Well, in yeah. fact, um, you even mentioning there, Charles, uh, conservative Methodist, um, I, I, very re- I don't think I even heard people talk about their denominational affiliation when they mm. came. Mm. In fact, there was such a draw to simply um, um, experiencing this radical humility uh, this love. I love that this, line. You first told me that yesterday. <laughs> Radical humility. Mm, and I say that because it wasn't just humility that we come to accept or talk about within religious circles. Mm. This sense of humility was um, so exemplified uh, that people were even wary, maybe even from a sense of fear of um, of going to the platform or of doing things that could um, detract detract from the sacredness of the outpouring that we were witnessing um, that that fear this 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 wonder that people had in their eyes of this sacred moment was so thick uh, that you could just that your only human response was to approach with radical humility. It reminded me mm-hmm. of Isaiah where he says, woe to me for I'm a man of unclean mm-hmm. lips. I really mm-hmm. think that that sense of holiness had permeated every single soul that walked into that room at that time. Mm. We're just a few steps away from Hughes Auditorium where this began, where the 1970 revival began and probably other revivals mm. before that if, we, if I knew all of the history. Um, I love these two phrases that are coming out now. Uh, originally, come and see, mm. but now it's go and tell. Yes. What do you think the Lord's going to do with this? And I'm not 
asking you as a prophetic seer or anything, <laughs> but what, what, do you, what do you think? Is the Lord finished with what started on February 8th? Mm, I, I don't think so, Charles. Um, and the reason I say that is what you are seeing inside Hughes Auditorium, what you are seeing through this outpouring is something which is so uh, counter-cultural that people want to see it. I know it's fairly oxym- it's, it's a bit of an oxymoron in a way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is so countercultural that people want to see it. I need to re-emphasize again when you when you go into Hughes Auditorium, when if you were there during um, any of these services uh, over the past couple of weeks, you went in there and what you would have witnessed was a stage or platform that had no drums, that had no electric guitar. It had no PowerPoint. It had no lyrics. It had no projector. There were no stage lights. Um, the carpet was old. The chairs would creak and the <laughs> walls were old and grimy. This was literally the place where the Lord wanted to pour out um, something extraordinary. There was no... On Gen Z. On Gen Z. Oh, yes. <laughs> on a generation. And I must state that this is the generation that so many of us have put aside as being the hardest to reach because they're deconstructing their faith. They've got issues with identity. Um, they're distracted with social media. They're the COVID generation that's uh, that went through high school, locked away for two, one or two years. Mm. Um, they've got mental, um, mental issues, anxiety issues. And there's a huge uh, batch of them that have experienced suicidal thought or depression. And this is the generation which the church had given up on, which the Lord decided to pour out his spirit upon. Mm. And um, without hype, without anything to draw on their own human um, uh, emotions, but literally through those four things, radical humility, love, a drawback to holiness and unity. And for some reason, that mix of things that the Lord had poured out has drawn a magnetic response from the generation which had the hardest of hearts. It's extraordinary. And you had students then that had come from multiple different college campuses across the United States um, after hearing this. All different theological stripes and yet Orthodox Christians. Correct. All coming in, even even non-Christian colleges, um, students drawn to this mystery coming in and being absolutely in awe with Jesus. And to, to such point that as soon as they left and went back to their home uh, universities, campuses or towns, um, they had this compulsion, this, this desire to witness, to testify to what they had seen. And that's why I am not surprised. Uh, well, now in retrospect, I'm not surprised that you're seeing this spreading across Gen Z campuses in the United States and even the world. Um, so that's even just seeing the example that Gen Z has played mm-hmm. without any direction from faculty mm-hmm. members or staff of universities, they're coming to desire to see what the Lord was doing, come and see. And then they were going to tell out of their own accord or more poignantly um, via the spirit uh, being told to go and tell. And uh, again, not only to, uh, not only in North America, but I can act absolutely state that this is also occurring in various parts of the world so whatever the lord is doing he is doing it in a way which is so counter cultural so counter um western christianity if i may dare say Mm -hmm. so counter Mm -hmm. i even dare say the modern church 
no bells and whistles. I like to call it, um, I like to call it the return of an unplugged Jesus movement. (laughs) (laughs) Well said, well said. Before coming here, before seeing what happened uh, with Dr. Heinmarsh, um, I read and heard a lot of criticism, Mm. a lot of suspicion. Mm -hmm. I meet you, you're coming from Australia. (laughs) You could have been a good journalist, too. (laughs) I want to say your name, but I'm not supposed to say your name. Uh, But but this questioning, what 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 did you think? You were you were hearing this criticism the last few weeks, too. You've read it. Yeah, it's. um, Look, I think with any move of God, you always expect a level of discernment that needs to occur. It's, I think it's, the, it's wise to discern whether this actually is um, an appropriate move of God. Um, but all I can say, all I can do is testify to what I've seen. Um, Charles, I've seen uh, people, again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a broken record, but I'm coming in seeing people embrace radical humility, which you do not see today exemplified in the church or even in modern culture at all. Mm -hmm. Um, You're seeing this great sense of unity in a culture which desires tribalism as their form of identity. You're seeing this great sense of love. And again, I must stipulate, this is not love that the world is defining it as now or wanting to define it as, but you're seeing this love which has grown into a form of acceptance, but by the blood of Christ. And finally, that drawback to something which has been relegated to history books, this topic of holiness. Mm. Can you believe that there are Gen Z students that have gone through this two-week outpouring that are desiring holiness without Mm. even reading any of the classic books written on holiness? Mm. But for some reason, there's this allure towards holiness, not simply as a duty which they must fulfill, No, but rather it's an attraction because it is what who God is, so they want to do it. It is, it 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 goes beyond your own um, imagination of how much these students have changed. In fact, I've got students who, um, prior to the uh, events on Wednesday the eighth, I would have called them apathetic at best, apathetic Christians at best. However, fast forward, and I grant that it's only been a couple of weeks and there's a lot of discipleship that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. Um, Their fervency for the Lord is um, unrecognisable. And I'm not talking about a fervency that simply just wants to sing songs or be involved in things that um, garner your emotions, but they're wanting to read the Word. Um, Another thing that I can testify to is... There has been no hype on stage. I've noted it before, but no electric um, guitar, no drum kit, not that they're bad things, no no PowerPoint lyrics or whatnot. Um, but instead, it is still drawing, drawing them. Even creeds and sacraments have been taken. I recall um, the Eucharist being taken for everyone within Hughes Auditorium in the first four or five days. And it was such a beautiful moment. In fact, the people that were distributing the sacraments were Gen Z. And mm. we went through a full liturgical <laughs> uh, set before <laughs> we actually partook of um, the bread and, bread and juice together. It, this is something that you don't see Gen Z hungering for normally. But in Hughes Auditorium, God was manifesting this desire. Mm. You don't see, um, uh, <laughs> this is unusual, 
every service that we held at the auditorium, we had a time of sharing your life verse. Now, ordinarily, it would be a struggle to get someone from Gen Z to go up to the microphone to read scripture. They were people running to this line. So many, in fact, that we unfortunately had to draw the line. If if, if you didn't, mm. if mm. if you weren't there in time, we had to come back for the next session where you could share scripture. But there was this desire for Gen Z to share the scripture which the Lord had given them, and I I'd never seen this hunger for the Word before from this generation, or can I even dare say any generation mm. in that window of time. Mm. You had a lot of famous people come in. Uh, I know someone I know, Andrew Peterson, canceled his concert at Asbury because he didn't want to draw Mm. any attention Mm. to himself. Uh, You had other people, uh, Christian musicians, well-known Christians coming, and they were standing in line, too. Yes. Yes. But there was one story you told me about the number one TV talk show in America on every night, a cable channel, and you can say his name if you want, but tell me that story. Yeah, I, I, I know that there were a number of people drawn to the events in Wilmore uh, and God's outpouring, um, so much so, as you mentioned, Charles, um, in the Christian Christian uh, music circles, they would be very well known, or even in the Christian preaching circuit, they would be very well known people. I mean, some of these we didn't even know had come or were in attendance. You didn't even know they were famous and they came, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we only found out through maybe social media where they okay. had taken clips of being in okay. Hughes Auditorium or were waiting in line. Um, in fact, there was a famous um, uh, Christian worship leader, which we do know of, that was at the altar. And uh, students were praying over her. She's won many awards. Um, I don't think because people were so um, spiritually invested in the moments there, they didn't know who she was. They were just Mm. literally praying over her. And um, she was just one more beggar asking for a loaf of bread. Correct. And prayed over by um, Gen Z students and or um, those in the Wilmore community that had the um, privilege of praying over these many mm. spiritual pilgrims that had come mm. into the area, but as you know, there was there were there were instances of journalists, for instance, that are, are very well known across the country, um, who uh, noted that they were going to come, uh, and were uh, very very politely asked not to, uh, due to um, the attention it might take away from what the Lord was doing, and quite beautifully, it was. Uh, nice seeing them accept including this, this one person of the number one show yes. on television correct cable news at night correct. in America accepting the request and um, and recognizing that these moments where people uh, people ordinarily would love attention would mm-hmm. love the uh, their names to be brought in brought into the spotlight um or people would not want to be interviewed because uh, they have done something terribly wrong. But very rarely would you have someone that has done, or a, a group, or the Lord in this instance, do something so right and so special, and be asked not to come. And uh, because of that countercultural request, I, I suspect he declined it on 
good accord and in fact from what i've heard has blessed what was going on he said god bless you mm. asbury mm. Mm. and i think that that illustration in itself charles um underscores that theme of radical humility which has really been one of the fundamental cornerstones of what has been occurring mm. um, in Walmore, Kentucky, and what I truly believe the world is yearning for, um, not just in North America, but to the ends of the earth, and why I do think this will become a go-and-tell movement. Mm. I don't even know what to pray, but I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer. Let's pray for go and tell, mm. whatever mm. that means. Mm. Would you lead us in Absolutely. prayer right now? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the way that you have just interrupted us in the most beautiful ways, how you have caught our attention by doing something extraordinary in the small town of Wilmore. And Lord, I'm just reminded by that verse, what good can come out of Wilmore, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that as uh, people have come to Wilmore, on a spiritual pilgrimage, that it is not simply things to uh, draw or fill up their social media. It is not a thing to draw attention to themselves, but rather it is something which is deeply deposited in their very souls as they come and witness Jesus for who you are and what you've manifested in the halls of this area. Lord God, I thank you for the message of radical humility, which has been so manifest. I thank you for the love and the return to holiness that we have witnessed. And I thank you how this has all been undergirded by unity. Lord God, I pray as this, uh, the closure of it occurs in Wilmore, Kentucky, that we see this become a go-and-tell movement. Lord, as we read in Acts 1.8, that they're not simply to be filled with the Spirit, but they are to go out to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I pray, Lord God, that you guide us in this manner as we go and tell the good story, one that has been refreshed and renewed and reorientated back to what and who you are. So Lord God, bless the listeners, bless all of us, as we are not simply those that take in witness first-hand accounts of what you've done here, but you are doing a good work in us so that we may be your people to the ends of the earth. So bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're not using your name. You've been part of this revival. Uh, you actually are employed. I won't say whether the seminary or the university at Asbury. Um, you saw the revival firsthand, but you also saw the leading up to the revival over the prior few years. Give me some observations, some thoughts about this. Whew. Well, being on the back end of what has been two weeks of an awakening experience, I would say I'm still very much in the processing phase of, yes. wow, Lord, what just happened? It almost feels like a surreal dream. Mm -hmm. And I say that because my husband and I arrived in the city in 2017, and I will say probably straight out of the gate from the get-go the Lord burdened our heart for an awakening. Mm. And it was, our hearts were burdened for a corporate awakening because he and I both individually had experienced an awakening within our own hearts. And the fire that we had for the Lord and the love that we felt from the Lord and the faithfulness of him, we wanted everybody to experience it. We mm. wanted to call everybody mm. out of the world and say, quit being distracted, quit being blinded, 
meet who the Lord really is. Because what you're being mm-hmm. told He is or sold on is not 100% the fullness of the Lord. Mm-hmm. We want you to meet mm-hmm. the fullness of the Lord. And so that was a burden that He put on our hearts when we arrived here um, in this city was just to pray. And you're coming from Florida mm-hmm. and a very worldly side of Florida. Mm-hmm. And so you've seen how the culture invades the church and can invade the lives of Christians. Mm-hmm. You wanted a breakthrough for yourselves, yes. but a spiritual breakthrough for others too, yes. didn't you? That's exactly right. Um, to explain a little bit of my background of, of being a Christian, I accepted the Lord at six years old. Mm. Um, it was a hellfire and brimstone uh, message given at a church in North Carolina. We were on vacation. We were visiting the church. So didn't have a relationship with the pre- preacher by any means, but whatever he preached from the pulpit that day scared me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember going back to our cabin in North Carolina and talking to my mom about how I felt and, and saying the Lord's Prayer and accepting Him as, as my Savior and Lord. But then that was it. And I, the times that I did attend church growing up, which were few and far between, Christmas um, and Easter, you told yeah, me. Yeah, I, I yes. mentioned that I call myself a creaster, which means that uh, <laughs> I darkened the doors of a church on Christmas and Easter, and that was probably it. But it just, I didn't understand who Jesus was. Mm. It was never taught mm. to me. And I can, I feel like I can speak for a lot of people who probably attend church regularly who aren't told the whole gospel message, who don't understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, who don't, they have no idea. They say, yeah, okay, I sin and I need a savior, but they don't understand why. What is the extent of needing that savior? Why is God considered holy? Why, how did, like, they just didn't understand the entire Bible, unfortunately. Mm. It's, it's, mm. we, we, we tend grace to preach is a one. Flash. Yes. Grace is not yes. something that you continually experience and need and and um, and and should be praying for yeah. every day of your life. I grew up in a generation that would preach a feel good message. Wow. So they take scripture, you know, one or two verses from scripture and they preach the truth of it. But then they preach of of that being a pinpoint in your life but not relating it back to mm. this the history of it, the historical documentation of a ancient Near Eastern culture and all of that. Like, mm-hmm. I totally missed that. And I was like, how have I missed this my whole life? And so when God got a hold of my heart and awakened me um, to the fullness of his story, the fullness of my salvation, mm-hmm. I wanted that for everybody because I felt like I've been walking around lost. That when I get to heaven, I'll be saved. But for now, it's just, you deal with life, you know? You're a mom, Mm -hmm. you're a wife, you've been a student, Mm -hmm. you're working for an institution. Mm -hmm. Um, What encouragement would you give for somebody that's hearing this time with you right now to seek the Lord while he might be found? I would tell them that the Lord is faithful. And in that the church, the culture, and I could even say the church 
the culture of the church, our expectations are everything's now at our fingertips. So we want um, answers on demand. Mm. And because we may not be hearing the Lord, if you're walking mm. through a dry season, be because you may not be hearing an answer does not mean he's not faithful. Um, so to me, my encouragement is just to press in to that and faithfulness. It's, it's like Jacob wrestling. I will not leave you Lord until you bless me. I will not leave. So to me, it's abiding every morning. It's waking up. It is, you have to be rooted in God's word. You Mm. cannot know Jesus Mm. apart from his word. Mm. So you have to be rooted in God's word. And that to me is just, he will, he will speak through that when he does speak. And it is a way that he will speak. He'll speak through his word. And then I would also encourage, um, those who may be feeling like they're walking through wilderness or may not have the depth of understanding of, Mm -hmm. um, how to relate to God, how God relates to his people Mm -hmm. would be to seek wise counsel. Um, among those who have been walking a little bit longer or farther. You know, Paul says in um, the word, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's finding those who have been following a little bit longer or harder or in like circumstances. And it's, it's having a band of, of, of two or three Mm -hmm. who you can totally be vulnerable with one another and hold each other accountable and really saying, how is it with your soul today? What have you been struggling with? Mm -hmm. Where are your, your hangups or your questions and you disciple one another. Um, but always being rooted in the word. And then you start praying for one another in that way. And one thing my husband and I practice when we first learned what abiding and, and God is, is that you sit before the Lord, you seek his face. And when you feel like the Lord is providing you an answer, he will uh, confirm it. Um, Mm -hmm. with your partner. So you look Mm -hmm. for somebody who can be your confirmation partner Mm -hmm. and say, okay, this is what I believe I'm hearing. You can document it, you can write it. And then as soon as you like discuss that with your band of your two or three Mm -hmm. or your spouse or who that may be together for each other. yes, Yes. And they get the same confirmation and they say, that's when we know, okay, God is speaking and we should mm-hmm. act because he's not going to speak. He's, he's not a God. This is not loose diversity. canon Christianity. No, yes. No. Yeah. He is a God of unity wow. and one voice and he will give that one voice. And that's when you know, okay, I believe the Lord is really directing us in this direction. And that's that <laughs> when you get that and when you step into it, that is a feeling that mm-hmm. is just indescribable. Mm-hmm. And that's what when we came here, we went, because when we came here, like you mentioned, we were, um, from a major metropolis city, we had well-paying jobs. We were on the track of the American dream, all of that. And when we tell people our story and they're like, Oh my gosh, you sacrificed so much, but it's like, you have no idea what we've Mm. gained. That is rubbish to us to follow Mm. Christ, like absolute rubbish Mm. because of what we've been able to experience and what we have seen and the depth that we um, have found healing in our personal lives and our marriage and family relationships and friendships so much more than the world can offer. Mm. I want so much to use your name, but I promised I'm not going to. (laughs) Would you lead us all in prayer right now that people listening right now today Mm -hmm. would capture 
this spirit of revival, this mm. spiritual awakening um, that are listening to us. Would, would you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Holy Father, for anyone who may be listening um, to these very words, I just want to lift them up, Lord, to you for your spirit to do a work in them, Lord, to capture their hearts, to open their eyes and their ears, to unveil their minds to the goodness that you have for them, Lord. It's goodness that is not of this world, Lord. You offer peace that goes beyond understanding. And so, Lord, I just want to pray into that for those who may be struggling uh, financially with job decisions, those who may be in a marriage that feel feels hopeless, those who have maybe children who are going wayward or walking away, Lord, any of those circumstances that this life has given, the curriculum that their lives have taken on, Lord, that you are greater than those, Lord. And so I just pray for your peace and your love to surround them and to beckon them at your feet, to seek your face in those circumstances, to hear your voice, to open your word and be excited to see it speak into their lives, Lord. May you unbind their hands from ties to this world. Mm -hmm. May they be willing to walk away from a direction or a path that may seem well and good, Lord, but it's not what you have for them. May you embolden their faith to trust that taking the step, a leap of faith, to that small beckoning voice that you've planted in their hearts, Lord, because you plant your heart's desires in us. Would you embolden their faith to take that step to move closer to you? Lord, would you surround each individual with those who are like-minded and seeking you wholeheartedly, that they would band together in small groups and live life openly and vulnerably. May they be um, enabled to pray for one another, to intercede for each other, to ask, how is it with your soul? How may I be praying for you? Lord, may you rise up a new foundation of your church. May what has been happening here in Wilmore just be the floor for us to spring from. Mm. May it not be the ceiling. Mm. Lord, we just pray for the move of your spirit to draw people closer to the feet of Jesus. Mm. Whatever that may look like in each individual life, Lord, would you just give us the grace and the faith to trust you more? to know that you are a good, good Father. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. We are just amazed at the work that you are doing, and we trust and believe that it is just the beginning. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in and through us, a bride that is coming into her fulfillment in you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You showed up Mm -hmm. a number of years ago in Wilmore, Kentucky. I can't use your name. I promised you I wouldn't. But you had a dream. I'll call it a vision. Mm -hmm. You started praying, Mm -hmm. and you began gathering some other people to pray with you. What were you praying for? Yeah, so we we got here in um, May of 2017, mm-hmm. and I just had a heart for um, 
true disciples to be raised up, you know, people that heard the voice of the Lord and went and did what he, what he asked them to do mm-hmm. just out of just pure love that he had for them. Mm-hmm. So when we got here uh, in May, you know, I, I, I had lived a very nominal Christian life, you know, in the past. And I was calling for like Jesus, make me a disciple. So when I got here, I could see this, you know, it was like a twofold Christianity, one foot in the world and one foot in his word. And by that time, we had already been like 100% in his word, you know, leaving the things of the world and willingly, like if he brought something up, leave it. So both you and your wife had a spiritual awakening Mm -hmm. back home. Yes. Back in Florida. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So literally it was, it was June 8th, 2015. We had what we would call a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's like our eyes were open to a further degree of what it meant to be a Christian. And the Lord was speaking. And it's like I was reading the Bible in color. Mm. And it just came to life. And out of that, the Lord literally ekbalod, which is expelled mm. us out into the wilderness, um, which is exactly what happened with Jesus. And 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 let's, let's move forward to this revival yeah. that's happened in Wilmore now. Mm-hmm. The answer to not just your prayers, but mm-hmm. the prayers of others. Absolutely. Prayers of professors you've had. That's it. Um, this is not a charismatic revival. Mm-mm. This is That would be a, a total understatement. Yeah. What happened? Mm-hmm. What have you seen the Lord do the last few weeks? Yeah, it's, um, if I could say anything, it's just been a revival of holy love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. Apart from, like, we can't approach God because He's so holy, but we can because He sent love, which is His Son. And I would say this revival has just been stepping into a river of that love. And sometimes, like, there's there's like no veil between heaven and earth. Like, it's so mm. thin. Mm. And when you walk into that and just into the atmosphere, it doesn't have to be in Hughes. You know, I felt it, of course, because that's Hughes where is the auditorium. Yes, at Asbury. University, yes, where the revival broke out on February eighth. Yes, okay, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you could just go out, you know, from there, and it was just such a, it was like there was an, it's almost like there was an open heaven, you know, and it was just resting on Wilmore, and um, and that's and that's just what it felt like. It's like the Lord's presence was just, it's like peace, like a river, like a lazy getting into a lazy river, like at a mm. at a water park, mm. and mm. you're just like you can just relax, you know, and it's like whatever you had on your mind that was bothering you or whatnot, it's like it just dissipated. And there was such adoration, not only for God, but also amongst one another. It was brotherly love, you know, being put on display. And it was, it was literally happening right in our midst Mm. and just pure authentic worship. Um, you know, no projectors, no words on the screen, very spontaneous, guitar, maybe a drum set. The the worshipers were kind of tucked behind the piano. Nobody was in front of the stage, you know, and there was just continual people going down to the altar, um, just praying. And me and Robin got to pray over a lot of individuals. Yeah, you were, you, you divided up. So many people were coming in mm-hmm. and it had to be moved to other churches yes. in the area yeah. because yep. of the overflow. But mm-hmm. You divided up into teams that would pray for yes. people who had made their way from distant places, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, from all over. And it was like it was like the first night, you know, the Wednesday night, you know, all of Hughes filled up. 
you know, and people were just coming and going. The second night, it was like huge, but you could tell like it was a, a bigger crowd that was gathering. It's like every night there was a wave of people just coming through and it would go bigger and then it would flow out, you know, even wider. And what I could think of, it was like, it was like Ezekiel, um, 47, you know, a river. And we were just coming mm-hmm. and wading into in a river mm-hmm. and we were ankle deep, mm-hmm. but like, it's like the river just kept expanding and it was like a wave, you know, would come through like the next night, then it was filling and going across the street into the seminary, which is into Estes, which is the, um, the chapel on the seminary side. And then the next night it would come and it would fill, you know, Hughes, Estes, and then McKenna, which is another chapel. And then like the next night it would come and fill, we had to open up our gym at the seminary and it would fill that. So it was just like these waves and we were opening up other churches, you know, in the city to the point that it was like standing room only everywhere to the point that all the, you know, the lawns, everything was covered with just Mm -hmm. a sea of Mm -hmm. people. And I mean, we, we, I saw repentance over the United States, you know, repent, like people down on their knees to, to step in a crowd that big. I remember one day I was walking from our house and I was going down and I came across and to see so many people on their knees praying, Mm. it was just so powerful. And to have that many people and everybody was so cordial, like you didn't Mm. have like Mm. outbreaks. You didn't have people yelling. It was just such it was it was just so peaceful and and you know there are a lot of different definitions everyone mm-hmm. who is a christian has in their mind a definition of revival uh as i watched a few hours of the services uh i noticed repentance mm-hmm. the name of jesus mm-hmm. was lifted high mm-hmm. humility mm-hmm. No one wanted their name to be given. Yes. I would say there was no bombastic, over-the-top revival preacher, Mm -hmm. no personality coming in. Um, I know a friend of mine who's a Christian musician, well-known, he canceled his concert for Mm -hmm. fear of bringing glory to himself as opposed to glory to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has been a unique happening. You don't want me to even say your name Mm -hmm. on the radio. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a marker of what's been going on here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. I mean, we've, I've read so many books on just, you know, the, the biggest thing that will stop a revival or whatever you want to call it, revival awakening, Yeah, a move of God, you know, move of his love um, is pride, you know, and God, God mm-hmm. opposes the proud, but he gives mm-hmm. grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting to see the administration of everything that was going on and know how quickly it was growing. And I do, and I don't know if these individuals that were very high up, you know, in the Christian entertainment or worship scene, right? Uh, however you want to call that, I don't know if they ever reached out and said, "Hey, we'll, we'll offer to play." And I think if that was ever brought up, I could see the leadership saying, "Like, we're, you're welcome here. We love you here, but there's no celebrities. The only celebrity that's here is, is Jesus. Come and participate. That's it. Don't come to lead. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So Jesus, he started this thing, and of course. It's spreading all over the United States now. It's going into, you know, different continents mm-hmm. and so quickly, you know, and, um, but yeah, well, Jesus the social is the media just has driven that. We talk about how bad social media is yeah. and there are a lot of mm-hmm. bad sides yeah. to it, Yeah, but this has been a good side, this Gen Z led revival. Yes. Yeah. It was, it's, it's just, 
it's so interesting. And, and I would even say from like the group that when we were praying and continuing to praying, we knew that, that he was getting ready to really move. So when, when he started, it didn't take us by surprise because mm-hmm. he'd been mm-hmm. just doing our abiding time and journaling. Like I knew, I was like, oh, this is it. And I remember that first on Tuesday before the revival, we, the Lord really moved in a classroom setting um, powerfully. And the professor said, well, somebody pray into that. And the classroom prayed into that. And when I walked into the bathroom that day, I slipped in a puddle of water. Mm. And it reminded me of something the Lord had spoken. So I knew that, Lord, you are getting ready to really move. Mm. So it was just so key to kind of see these things. But yeah, and there's, I mean, the, the visions that we had, the dreams of seeing bumper to bumper traffic in Wilmore, um, people knocking on our door, looking for a place to stay. Mm. Um, the Lord, you've, you've had people staying at your home. Yes. How many people have you had stay at your uh, home? I think Robin said like twenty six to twenty eight people. You Whoa. know, and we didn't know these people prior. You know, right. these were all they just needed a bed and they it. needed a yeah. place to stay, and you fed them and clothed them, and that's it. And uh, yeah. sense and prayed over them and sent them out. You know, to whatever the Lord was doing in them that you know that they would they would have to testify. Talk to me about the ecumenical nature of this. I've not heard a single word about doctrinal <laughs> differences. Yeah, it's it's people on their knees mm-hmm. seeking the face of Jesus. Just talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was interesting when when we were talking earlier today, and um, what Rob said about um, you know denominations. It, that's when it hit me. I was like, you're right. There was not one thing of like, oh, I'm Methodist or I'm Baptist or I'm Pentecost or I'm, Ro- I'm Roman Catholic. You know, it's to me, it was just so interesting. It was like mm-hmm. all those things that can be completely mm-hmm. laid aside and it was just Jesus. And, you know, it was every prayer that we prayed over individuals. It was just the love of God, mm-hmm. you know, shed abroad. Mm. You know, over individual, whether where they were coming up to the altar to repent, or they were coming up, you know, confessing of drug addictions or whatever, or whatever it was. I had students come up and they they just wanted the Lord to convict their hearts. I mean, what kind of, I mean, for people for for young men to come up and say, I just want the Lord to convict my heart. I mean, that mm-hmm. is such a vulnerable prayer, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh gosh. Or I had one lady that she just said, I. I she heard me and Robin praying and she says, I don't, I've never prayed like that. I want to pray like that. How do you Mm. pray like that? Mm. I want the Holy spirit. And I was just like, Oh gosh, you know, so we're just, you know, he's a good father. So there was just all this crying out. I just want God. I want the father. I want Jesus. I want the Holy spirit. And would you say that you're not saying I want the spirit in some kind of chaotic sense, right? I want to be slain. Correct. I want to melt down. I want to. I want the spirit mm-hmm. to abide in That's me. That's it. And to live in me. That's it. So that I can love and serve Jesus. That's more. it. Yeah. Well. And I can well, tell you, just like when we would go pray over somebody, it was just like I remember just laying my hands. Of course, I would introduce myself, and and I would mm-hmm. say, Do, "Would you mind if me and my wife laid our hands on you?" And I remember, like, as soon as I laid their hands, like, I had such compassion mm. for these individuals mm. because mm. it wasn't coming from me. Ultimately, it was coming from from Jesus. Yes. He had such compassion over them, or such, and you would say the most simplest thing to individuals, and they would just start weeping mm. because they were coming into that. They were coming into contact of what it meant to be loved by God who laid His mm. life down. 
but actually was calling them into that life, you mm. know, that cruciform life to walk out of the grave and to, and to continue to follow what Jesus told us to do was to lay down our robes, pick up the towel and wash people's feet. Mm. And yeah, it was just so, it was so beautiful. I remember just like, just like getting done praying with individuals. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, the, the love and affection, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's in the room. Mm-hmm. And those, those, they'll never be the same. And I know I'll never be the same just being in that environment. Wow. I should ask you to pray. Mm-hmm. I had your wife pray earlier. <laughs> we don't know who's listening. We yeah. don't know where, mm-hmm. but people are listening everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just in North America, but mm-hmm. to our international locations. Plus on the internet, people listen um, would you pray for mm-hmm. people listening mm-hmm. to have this sense of revival mm-hmm. for a spiritual breakthrough in their Absolutely. lives too? Yes. Okay. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every single person that's listening right now. I thank you, Lord, that you are opening ears, you're opening eyes. You're opening hearts to see and hear you more clearly, Lord. And Father, I ask that you would just draw every single person, Lord. Would you draw them into your heart, the heart of love? Would you draw them into the person, your Holy Son, Jesus? May they come to know you in a way they've never experienced before. And may they be so surrendered, Lord, that you would bring them um, to a place of discontentment that um, from from the past, we can't keep going, living on the whole status quo, the way we've been doing Christianity or life. Would you pour out your spirit, Lord? Would they hear for the first time? Would they see for the first time? Or would they hear more clearer the gentle whisper that you are their father and that they're your daughter or they're your son. Would your spirit just open their eyes to see Jesus for who he is and what he's accomplished and what he will accomplish. And may they get brought into the life of Christ, into Mm. the life of the Mm. church. Mm. And Holy Spirit, would you just breathe over them right now that there'd be such a peace, there'd be a letting go and a surrendering and a receiving of the holy love that you have for them. And may out of that love, Lord, may you open their eyes to see people they've never seen in their own community, to see as you see, to speak as you speak, to do as you do. And for some, Lord, I just ask that they would get caught up in the intercessory prayer, Jesus, that you are doing right now. Mm. at the right hand of the Father, Mm. as you are for your people. You are not against your people. You are a God that is for us. Mm. And may they get caught up in that stream of those prayers to the point that they'd be praying the exact prayers that you're praying for revival to start individually in their own hearts, in their own houses, in their communities, Lord. Mm. That wherever they go, they would just be open vessels, open channels of grace and love. Yes. Just ask for your spirit to do your work, your good work. I ask this in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. And I also want to say thanks to these three seminary students for sharing with me about their bold prayers for revival these last four years. I hope this inspires you like it did me to also pray boldly for revival in your own heart and family and church and community and beyond. Well, before we go, I want to mention that before I had ever heard of this revival taking place at Asbury, our team had planned to offer a documentary DVD called Revival, The Work of God. We had planned a series on our radio program three months in advance on revival. It's a great look at the spiritual awakenings that have taken place from Pentecost to present day, and the Lord's timing couldn't be better for us to be offering it during what's taken place at Asbury over the last few weeks. So to be inspired by revivals that came before us, I want you to head over to haventoday.org and get your copy of this phenomenal documentary. And if you want to hear more content like this, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, help us get the word out. Won't you give us a five-star review? You can also go to haventoday.org, sign up for our weekly email, and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.